This is Transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2020. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build transistor.fm. It is, I, I didn't realize uh, today is a somber day. Today's September 11th. Uh, it is, yeah. That, uh, every year, you that know, was, that's... That was a bummer of a day. Yeah. But you know what the sad part is, is that we have a September 11th every day in this country now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, those are, those are laughing uh, tears of t- laughing tears. Uh, those are sad, t- yeah. sad laugh. Yeah, uh, it is sad. People keep telling us to not make this show political, but we've been pretty political from the very beginning. It, it's kind of hard not to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a I've got an interesting dilemma, and we were talking a little bit about this off camera, off off microphone, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Well, I don't care about <laughs> I don't care about that at all," <laughs> but. I, I I think it'd still be helpful to talk it out because there might be other folks who can identify with it. So here here's the here's part of the anxiety is and and this is such a weird feeling when especially compared to when we started. When we started, you're just like just trying to get to a place where this thing is you know, feeding you, paying for your mortgage. Yeah, and, the anxiety was right. Yeah, way uh, different. Yeah, the anxiety was more like it's it's almost excitement. It's like okay, we're doing this. It's like growing, and then you get to a, a nice stable spot. Then the company keeps growing, and then I feel like the anxiety starts to be. We have a good business here. It's making good money every month. We have a nice, slow, and steady growth trajectory. And for me personally, I would take, if if you could guarantee me, like if the devil came and made me sign a contract and say, listen, here's the, you get to keep, you sign this contract and you get to keep 100% control of Transistor. You get to keep working with John. You get to have this life the rest of your life until you die, and you're guaranteed to have the same revenue growth that you have right now. Yeah. I would take that deal. Yeah, absolutely. I would sign that contract with the devil. Um, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the devil gets out of it, but... <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, let's be honest. If Bezos came along and gave me the same deal as he gave 37 Signals which is, hey, John and Justin, I, I really like you guys. I like your f- business philosophy. I like this idea of a calm company with lots of Can we of make margin. it someone else? Can we make it someone I know, other than Bezos? I know. Bezos is like, ah, who? No, not, not Elon Musk, not Bezos. Who's, who's uh, palatable here? I don't know. They all kind of suck, don't they? Mm. What, about, um, what about Bezos' wife, ex-wife? Oh, yeah, she seems pretty reasonable. <laughs> um Anyway, some some nice uh, uh, you know billionaire comes to us and says, "I really like what you're doing. I like this 
calm company. I like this margin. Just I want podcasting to stay open and and you know in this open ecosystem. Here's and we think I think I think uh, thirty seven signals got at least ten million. So five million for Jason, five million for David, or something like that. Maybe it was eight million, three million. Who knows? But let's say they give us ten million. I would probably for a non controlling stake in Transistor, like 10% of the shares or something, I would probably take that deal too. What Would you take that deal? Uh, I guess probably, but what I don't, yeah, I'm still kind of confused as to what that actually means, right? I think what- Like you're not getting, I mean, you're paying this person distributions or dividends or something, but you're not getting something for nothing. Let's just say that- you're doing a million dollars a year in revenue. And so to get to 10 million, it is going to theoretically take, depending on your growth rate, it might take you five years to get there. But it up, you're, if you're at peak podcasting or peak uh, market, then it also could be that things grow for another year and then for the next nine years after that, they go down. So, you know, when you're modeling all these things in your head, it could be like, okay, well, $10 million might be 10 years worth of revenue. And what you're doing is you're taking that now, saying this thing might work, it might not work, but it's giving you some insurance money. It's letting you take some money off the table to go, Okay, you know, like I, I actually think that's a big reason that Jason and David were able to do what they did with Basecamp. Like they're a couple years in and Bezos comes along and they're a couple years in and the way David tells it, they were still not like super sure this thing was going to work. Like right. they were, you know, they, they they were doing pretty good MRR, but to them it's just like, is who knows how long this is going to last. It might last, you know, a year. It might last two years. They didn't know. And with all that uncertainty, in the in the context of that uncertainty, Bezos comes in and says, hey, I'll give you whatever it is. Five million to you, eight million to you. And that then, I think, allowed them to relax. Now they know that they're taken care of forever right? You can live off 5 million probably for the rest of your life. And, and then they, they can run base camp however they want, right? They can, they can, it, it, it takes the pressure off the business. Well, it only takes the pressure off for the two of them. What do you mean? They got, they personally got that money. Yes. It takes the pressure off for them. Yeah. It takes the pressure off for them, but which I think also affects the company though. Like the, if if you have too much stress and you're just like okay like i don't know if if you know like if every, if every year you're like like one of the existential threats for a transistor is spotify if if spotify can uh get enough market share in the listener category I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's 60, 70, 80%. Increasingly, they would be able to say, well, we're just going to own the whole value chain from creation to 
distribution right. to analytics to monetization. Yeah, that's true. But if the market's big enough and it stays big enough, then well, even even a small chunk of that is still quite a bit. Right. Yes, but my my sense is that what's holding that in balance now is Apple. And if Apple decides, uh, we're out, like we don't care about this. It's just it's uh it's a distraction. Or if Spotify just keeps innovating on the player side, on the client side, and even on the publisher side, um, like right, we've talked about this before. Like a a a pattern that we see is people sign up, they upload their first episode, and they submit it to Spotify, mm-hmm. and they get that magical feeling of oh my podcast is out in the world. It's in the Spotify app right next to Justin Bieber. Like this is amazing. Um, I I still think there. I think. Uh, as long as there's some other big players like Google and Apple holding the, you know, things in balance, um, the open podcasting ecosystem will be fine. But I, I also don't want to be too naive and think, well, <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no possibility because we already know, right. like if, if our, our customers don't really care about Transistor, what they care about is getting their audio out into the world uh, yeah. the best, simplest, most emotionally satisfying way possible. Yeah. I just don't know if you can plan for every eventuality. I mean, it's... Yeah. You can say, oh, yeah, this might happen, or like Trump might get elected and mm-hmm. clamp down on free speech or something like that, mm-hmm. and, or Spotify will take over the world and everything's free and they just like have their own advertising engine and make money that way. I mean, you can... There's so many so many ways to guess at what might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but someone who would, someone who would pay us money to, to take money off the table or whatever, mm-hmm. they would be thinking about the same thing. So, well, I, of course, which is what makes that Bezos deal. So, uh, magical like that. What they got was, you know, like if you have a portfolio, if you're a, if you're a fund manager, uh, this happened to, to Fred Wilson with Twitter. Uh, I've got, I'll put this blog post in the show notes, but so in 2013, they, they had bought 15% of Twitter for 3.75 million. And by the time, by 2011, sorry, it was worth 1 billion. So their entire fund was 125 million, but they're sitting on this position that's worth eight times their entire fund. And there's actually a, there's a analog to us in some ways. We're sitting on this company that produces uh, you know, X amount of annual revenue, but one of our closest competitors, uh, Simplecast, just sold for $28 million. And so the disparity between the current cash position, like what this is worth in terms of cash is this, but the potential, you know, the, the, the overall position you're sitting on is potentially, you know, two times, five times, eight times, 12 times annual recurring revenue, depending on what people pay for it. And so what Fred Wilson did with Twitter is they sold about 30% of their position. 
So for about 250 million, they 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 got 250 million. It wasn't their whole position. They kept 70%, but he said it allowed them to chill out, you know, just hold on the balance until the IPO and um yeah. It was just like it was a, it was a it was a way of managing the potential risk, the up, potential upside and downside. And in the funded market, like in VC funded startups, typically what founders will do is in their secondary round, like their series B, that's they'll take money off the table. So, hey, the company's doing good. We raised money in the series A. Come back to right. investors, go, hey, things are great. We want to do this for the long haul. We want to commit to this for a long time. But, you know, we've been eating ramen for the past two or three years. And we need to take some money off the table so that we feel comfortable investing in. How often does that happen? Or is it they get a, they get a Series B because they're out of money and they don't make any money? Yeah. And only, and only the people at the top actually make any money. Yeah, I mean... And it's a pyramid scheme of venture capital. Yeah, I in the in the, <laughs> in the old days, uh, taking money off the table was really looked down upon, especially in in the in the old days of like uh, you know VCs just wanted founders to just eat shit forever and right. and you know work them to the ground. But it's becoming increasingly common. I saw a list here of folks who had done this. So yeah, I'd be interested to see what companies those are and if they actually make any money. That that's just my that's just my cynical take on the whole thing. Yeah, I I would actually like to talk to Joel Gascoigne at about this at Buffer. So yeah, here's a here's a list. So so yeah, Joel. It says here Joel sold two point five million worth of his shares in his Series A round of 3.5 million. Wow. So he did a, a, a round of 3.5 million and sold 2.5 of his shares. Then, uh, co-founders of Snapchat took 10 million of founder liquidity in their series B round. Uh, Robin Hood's two co-founders took money. Uh, they took 17 million off and, the co-founders of Secret sold six million worth of shares in an early round, although the company has subsequently folded. <laughs> oh, and that and that's actually a good point, though. This because in that case, the founders were right to take money because you know the VCs are pushing them hard. The VCs are telling them to. The VCs are telling them to. Blitz scale? What are we talking I'm about? for baseball analogies. Uh, Hit a home run. Well, knock it out of the park. Yeah, they're saying, you try to knock it out of the park. And, you know, they're trying out there trying to knock it out of the park, and they ended up striking out. But And so they got, and so they got wealthy by failing, which is just, that's the absurd part of all this to me. Yes, but it, it, to me, it, it's actually more fair because for VCs to have these unrealistic expectations of founders, like, come on, you guys are going to hustle. You're going to, you're going to drink Red Bull and eat, uh, Soylent and you're going to work a hundred hours a week and, you know, yeah, try to knock it out of the park. Yeah. But shouldn't it be the VC companies that take the risk? It's their money. Well, yeah, they, they, exactly. So in this case, the VCs are taking the financial risk. And I think a reasonable 
way to hold that in balance is for a founder, especially a founder who's proven that, you know, they have the chops to make it happen for them to say, okay, I'm going to de-risk myself a little bit here by taking some of this money and putting it in my bank account. And now I can go all in. If this thing crashes and burns, well, you know, that, that was the risk you took, but (laughs) if it, if it wins, um, you know, the, in this case, whoever bought those shares was a loser, but it's a win-win for the, it's a win-win for the founders, which to me doesn't really make sense. Mm, I think it makes sense given what founders have to give up to get there. Like you're giving up your, the most, um, the best years of your life to work on something you're giving up what you could be making in salary. Like if you were, uh, yeah, but so are, so are the employees they're working, they're giving up their lives oh. for working for a company that's going to fail and they get nothing out of oh, it. Oh, totally. I, I think, I think that's a, that's a good point. It, that feels like a, an adjacent <laughs> conversation <laughs> because you're right. I think, I think employees should have, uh, more optionality as well. And this is, yeah, I mean, this is all clouded by just the, the income inequality in this country at the moment. Like you see all these CEOs who fail and get ousted and they get these payout packages of a hundred million dollars. It's like, yeah, come on, really? Yes. And so this, that, this feels the same to me for companies that fail. Yeah. The, the challenge though <laughs> is <laughs> I feel like we, cause I'm, I'm, I feel like Bezos is too rich. And I know a lot of, actually, I know a lot of people are getting tired of people who complain about how wealthy Bezos is, but the scale of Bezos's wealth and the amount of leverage he has and the amount of leverage he used to get that wealth, it is just, it's not even in the same ballpark as what bootstrappers are, even successful bootstrappers are going to be making. And so it it's almost like we have to separate those kind of concerns like any feeling any feelings we have about the 0.1% um needs to be separate from uh in some ways what uh, a bootstrapper could reasonably uh you know make. I I I don't think we're I don't think we're off the hook like uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast is is probably already in the top ten percent of wealthiest people in the world, and I think again that that's a discussion for sure. Right. Um, and you're right. I, I mean, the other the, the Zen part of this, I suppose, could be well, it doesn't really matter. Why even worry about it? Like we could lose it all, but that'd be fine too. Uh, I, I guess for me though, <laughs> I I. I've been doing businesses since I was in high school. Yeah. And there's this, there's part of me is like, and I've seen other folks who, yeah, I I don't know. I I guess I'm struggling in public here. There's part of me that's like feeling like, ah, like, again, if I could be guaranteed our current revenue with plus a bit of growth for the rest of my life, I would take that deal. It doesn't, I don't have to be a billionaire you know, I'm making very good money right now. That would be more than enough to take care of me and my family forever. 
in, in, in some ways, that's the deal that Sivers gave himself. <laughs> he sold CD Baby, and yeah. he pays himself uh, and put all the money. It was like $26 million. He put it all in a trust, and it pays him $200,000 U.S. a year for the rest of his life. And it's just a guaranteed mm-hmm. salary for the rest of his life. Yeah, Having that kind of peace would be amazing just to know no matter what I do, <laughs> no matter what happens to the economy, that trust is just going to keep paying me $200,000 until I die. Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? Head over to Transistor and use my coupon, transistor.fm slash Justin. You'll get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. Right now, you and I are are completely reliant on this company. Yep. And again, you're right. Like employees are even worse off. Employees have less optionality. It's it's totally true. Um and the typical argument is that you know, founders are giving up, they're risking a lot. Again, there's this opportunity cost of instead of um you know, instead of working a full-time job, we're going to pay ourselves less for the first one or two years. And then with the hopes of maybe (laughs) making more later and then making up the difference. And, um, you know, that argument might might not always hold water, but yeah, I don't know. So for, for you, for you, it's mostly the fear of like this just disappearing. Yeah. And fear and just trying to, maybe I'm trying to be too smart for my own good. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about how, you know, people manage risk with, you know, by, they they manage risk by, you know, uh, balancing out their portfolio basically. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm thinking about that, like, okay, we've, we've gotten here. There, there's stages to all of this. And, uh, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be too comfortable and sit too, like, you know, just be like, oh, things would be, things are going to be fine, you know? Um, yeah, right. I get, I get that. But we're not just sitting back, you know, doing nothing. We're actively working on this thing. Yeah. Um, I I think the other thing that's probably affecting me is that I've been, you know, pushing this this narrative that the market determines most of your growth, and yeah. and waves are you know just like a surfer surfing waves. Some waves last a long time, some waves end right away, and I have that in my head of of just thinking, you know, this moment that we're in won't last forever. Um, well, actually we don't know. Podca- I mean, podcasting has been growing steadily for two decades or something like that. Right. But I'm also like, I just, I know that things can change and, um, you know, like right now I'm, 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 I'm moving right away and I'm, I'm going to have a new mortgage. That's let's say, even if the mortgage is 20 years, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm betting you know, 20 years of like, is my life going to be consistent for 20 years? Um, Probably not. Yeah. And so there's no, yeah, I mean, there's no, I don't, it won't be. And so, I mean, I think 
we have some hedges, right? Like SaaS revenue is reasonably stable. It's very unlikely that, you know, everyone will cancel at the same time. Um, SaaS revenue is just really steady. But it's it's for the same reason, I think, you know, if Sirius came to us, Sirius XM, and said, hey, we really like you. We want to we want to add you to our you know to our company, and we'll pay you twenty eight million. It would be very difficult for us to say no. Because, well, actually, would it still? <laughs> we we we've played that game before. Do you, would it be hard for you to say no, or would you say yes? Uh, yeah, I would definitely consider that. I mean, but I don't I don't know for sure. I guess it depends on. Depends on the deal, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot of money. I don't know what, yeah, it's hard to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's super hard to think about it. This is, this is what's so, it it is, it is, uh, I still think bootstrapping is, is the best way to build a business. And what we like about our life, well, I'll speak for myself. What I like about my life is I'm beholden to nobody except for myself, our customers and you. And, but in terms of, um, status, you and I respect each other. You and I are, you know, working on this together. There's not like a boss that's coming in and saying, uh, John, you can't go for runs in the middle of the day anymore. Right. Right. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we, if we went and worked at Sirius for sure, like there, there would be some changes like, okay, John, you're, you're in, uh, five slack uh, sorry, yeah, five slacks. And now you and now you manage four people. Yeah. And... Yeah. You're now you you're you're in John, you're now in charge of our IT team. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, yeah you're like you're like pulling cable for uh for Howard Stern. <laughs> right. Yeah, see that that would not appeal to me, honestly. And so we like the freedom. That's what I think that's like when Tyler Tringas says, This is the new American dream. I mean, to me, that's the whole appeal of it yeah i i agree i'm i'm totally with you like i i love this and i loved this when you know the first time transistor gave me a small little paycheck i was like okay that i could live on this forever <laughs> and, and maybe that's the answer there too like i know that things could go down to quite low and i would still be content because i was there before um yeah, so maybe I don't know. Maybe I just don't need to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I I understand the concern, but it's I personally don't want to jump from one anxiety of when will this pay us enough money to another one, which is <laughs> how how long will this pay us enough money? Oh uh, yeah, like there's got to be some some like amount of calm there. Yeah, right. I mean, what the rest of the world, you know, all the other bad things that are happening in the world, like obviously that it all compounds into Mm-hmm. It all compounds into one big stress, but yeah, I guess I guess yeah. My my perspective is there's enough other bad crap happening to like this is going well. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, but I get it. But I get I get your I I get your perspective. No, I think that's a good that's a good reminder. It'd be interesting to hear what listeners think. Uh, I, again, I, I don't think this is this idea is going to appeal as much to people who are building something new, but 
I know there's folks listening right now that have more established SaaS companies. And I'd have to imagine that they've thought about this of, you know, <laughs> like now that we're here, is there something we should be doing to improve uh, our optionality? Right. The way that you and I pay ourselves, it's probably for me, it's like, I just need to sock as much money away personally as I can. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's always, that's always a good idea. Yeah. 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 Sure. Okay. Well, it feels good to get that off my chest. All right. Let's, why don't we just talk a little bit about what we've been working on? So have we told people the API is out? Uh, we emailed people. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if the listeners know. I can't, I don't know. I can't yeah. remember. Uh, I don't remember. So yeah, we, um, have a version one of the API, which is mostly done. I don't know if it's version one, but it's version something. I mean, people are already building stuff on it, so it's got to be one, yeah. It seems to be working well. I mean, a couple of people have caught some bugs here and there. Um, it's not enabled for everyone. If people want access, they can let us know, and we'll turn it on. Uh, we'll turn it on for everyone at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, we started to build a Zapier integration. Yeah. Which, you know, I I don't know what the timeline is for actually finishing this thing up. It's almost done, but then we have to go through this whole approval stage. Uh, but it should be pretty cool. So you can, you know, tie things together. Like when I when a new episode is published, uh, email some people. Mm-hmm. Or if a new episode is created as a draft, like notify someone that they should go and edit it. Or Yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't I, even think about that use case. Because there's a lot of like services folks who use Zapier to kind of manage their overall project, you know, it, yeah. it kind of glues everything together. So yeah. It's like, or like, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you can hook it up to Dropbox so that it could potentially create an episode based on a file being added. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We have, we're going to have hooks for our, our pro- enhanced private podcast so that um, if a, subscriber is added you can do something if subscribers removed you can do something if something happens externally you could add a subscriber based on the email address or remove a subscriber so yeah that'll be that'll be cool for all the membership sites yeah like technically like you could have a somebody sign a member sign up in member space and then automatically add them to your private podcast as a subscriber so you can have a paid private podcast and also, uh, you're working on a distribution screen too. Yeah, we're kind of reworking our distribution screen for podcasts, for public podcasts. So if you um, create a podcast or import a podcast, you can go to this distribution page and easily uh, see what you're already, what directories and apps you're already submitted and included in, and then submit to more apps and get kind of better instructions as to what to do next after you create a podcast and add your first episode, which has been a little confusing for people, I think. Yeah. I mean, so if, if open, the open podcasting ecosystem has a problem, (laughs) it is distribution. It's like people are super excited. They've recorded the show. They're like, okay, what do I do now? And I mean, even just getting to that point where you've figured out how to get a microphone and record it and edit it and export it to yeah. mp3 and what you know what uh, uh hertz rate to use and 128 bit or whatever and then 
you finally get your MP3, you upload it, and then you go, so how did people get this on Apple Podcasts? Right. And then you're like, okay, well, and and if we can make that 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 step easier so that once people upload, they get the screen that says, hey, here's all the places you can distribute your podcast. Yeah, some of them are going to be, you know, easy one-click additions, and some of them are a click with extra instructions, but we're going to try to do some stuff behind the scenes to make it a little bit more, I don't know, magical yeah 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 i mean no no that's exactly it that's the there's this the i think we're going after uh this emotional feel of oh look yeah. i'll submit it here and you click the button you'll submit it here i'll submit it here i'll submit it here it feels good when you've made something to have all of these channels right there that you can just submit it to it feels like okay i'm i'm now like spreading the word about mm-hmm. about the show um, so yeah, I think that'll feel good to people. I think that'll, they'll, it'll, I, I love stuff like that stuff that you can put into your app. That's like, ah, yeah, this feels great. Yeah. It should be a, should be a nice upgrade. Um, so yeah, for both of those, uh, Zapier and, and the distribution, I don't know, next few weeks, maybe a few weeks to a month, some of these things should start coming out. Yeah. That's going to be, I mean, those are both kind of, uh, things I think that will make people very happy. The API was something that was requested for a long time. Uh, by developers, I was actually surprised how many people like used it and tr- have tried it already. Yeah, we had we had someone who started building an Apple Watch app so that you can record on your watch and upload it directly to Transistor. Oh, no. And I was like, "What? <laughs> this is crazy." Oh, that's a, I don't know if you'd want to do that, but I guess you could. That's amazing because you can do. I think you can do standalone Apple Watch apps now and not have to like have it on your iPhone and um, just like open an app and record and it'll somehow, I don't know how you sync up your account, but somehow upload it. Maybe he was just doing it personally on his own, but yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's interesting. I mean, I love that stuff. It, yeah. it actually made me think I should do another round of, uh, initially when we first started, I'd reached out to some people who had like iOS recording apps and, you know, or little web apps or little, even desktop clients and uh, a lot of them had responded and said, oh, as soon as you get an API, let me know, because I'd love to add you as a, mm-hmm. you know, an endpoint, basically. So that's, I should make, I'll make myself a note yeah, we've right talked, now. We've talked to a couple of people about that. Um, I got to follow up on at least one of them. Cool. Yeah, that's exciting. I, it feels, I mean, I don't know how you feel about our pace, but our pace to me has felt fairly good. Uh I go back and forth. Okay. Um, I mean, sometimes I feel like we're getting a lot done and sometimes I feel like we're getting nothing done. And (laughs) I look back, I look back and wonder how we got any of this done. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting. You know, one, one comment we got from a listener was who has a a successful SaaS company. Uh, They've been around longer than us, but he said, one of the things he likes about us is that we are just more calm. <laughs> he says like, they're just really always pushing hard to get, you know, new features out. And it's just, he says it often feels kind of harried. And when he yeah. hears us talk, he just says, wow, you guys seem way more calm. Yeah. I've, I've always kind of felt like there's definitely been seasons depending on what's going on in our personal lives that where we're working like a lot less, but I actually felt like over the summer, 
especially when we'd said we were going to kind of slow down during the summer, hmm. our pace was fairly, yeah, fairly rapid. Um, and part of that was, you know, hiring uh, Mike as a contractor to help us build some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel, I feel good. It, it just like the, the, the calm feels nice. It feels nice to not have these like giant sprint meetings every week where I, you and I have to estimate points on a bunch of stories. And then we have a retrospective where it's like, okay, well, I didn't get that done or that done. I guess we're going to add that to next week. And, um, or even having like these hard ass deadlines where mm-hmm. you just feel like, I mean, I've been on teams where the CEO comes in and just like tears a strip off everybody for not meeting a deadline. And, you know, and, and some of those companies I worked for are no longer existent. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> did it really matter? Like, did we, right. did we really need to get ground into the dirt? Exactly. I was on the foundation podcast and, and they're like a UX, UI product development podcast. But one of the things they were interested in uh, was, I said, you and I have codified our development strategy into something called wait and see. And they loved that. They just thought that was the greatest, the greatest thing. Yeah. And, you know, that has saved us a lot of times where, you know, especially when you were still working full time, and I'd come to you with an idea, and I'd be like, "No, we got to build this," and be like, "Okay, well, <laughs> we we just got to wait and see." Yeah, I like. I mean, I I think it's helped out quite a bit. It's like it's wait and see, but also think about it. And I think once we are ready to do something about it, we can really like hit the ground running because mm-hmm. we've already kind of thought about it. It's like wait and see, but also you know, throw it away quickly or be ready to quickly work on it because you've already been thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like the, the things that keep coming up every time we chat, those are the things. And eventually though, it just, it's like a snowball, just like there's more and more, it gets bigger and bigger until it's like, okay, we can't ignore this anymore. This thing has momentum now. Like it has momentum in our brains. Like it's, it's this, this thing we've been thinking about forever and now it's pretty well formed. Yeah. Now let's work on it. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Sweet. Well, cool. it was nice getting on the mic again. Yeah. It's been a while. Sometimes just to talk things out loud is so helpful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, let's say thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Yeah, thanks as always uh, to our Patreon supporters. We, uh, we have Helmet Irol. He never did tell it. He didn't correct mm, us, so okay. we must have got it right. Hope so. Uh, Colt Borg, Mark Binder, Anton Zorin, Bill Kondo, Sophia Quintero, Chris, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borja Soler, Ward Sandler, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Noah Prail, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis, uh, my brother Dan Buda, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta! And Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it that you're listening. And we will see you next week.
next week <laughs> next week <laughs> ah, next time next time Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.